Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season, and that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends, so make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shout out to that guy, The Majesty. Oh, my goodness. It's professional wrestling. Stay mage and enjoy yourself. Wrestling. There's something going on Friday edition of Cheap Heat on The Ringer. And um, I was offered yesterday, um, my buddy Greg Domino reaches out and goes, hey, do you want the new women's tag champ, Shayna Baszler, on Cheap Heat? I said, uh, yeah, I do. So she's here, and I'm grateful for it. Shayna, how are you? Pro setup. I'm ready to go. Yeah, look at you. This is... You're crushing the competition, not only in the ring, but in terms of video quality. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't have, like, the cool blurred background. I guess I can turn that on. But you, pro- you probably could do that, too, if you wanted to. I like showing off the stuff, though, so. Are you, you're, is this, is this for, like, gaming purposes or Twitch purposes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a big Twitcher? Yeah, I, when I can. What are you Twitching about? Uh, right now, I'm playing Warhammer Bolt Gun. <laughs> I'm, like, a big Warhammer 40 40- K nerd and they just came out with a whole bunch of cool games. Warhammer Bolt Gun is like a retro Doom throwback shooter. Okay. And have you always been a hardcore gamer? This is like uh to childhood? Yeah. Yes. And and I and I looked and shockingly we're almost the, the exact same age. So you're talking about going your Nintendo days. Yeah. I, I remember uh being really upset that I was not the first kid on my block to get a Nintendo. Oh, what you mean? <laughs> wait, which is even better. So you remember when Nintendo first came out and was getting hot? Yeah, yeah, I was five. <laughs> and this is the early days Nintendo when it came with Mario Brothers and and Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt and one cartridge. On one cartridge. Now, no one ever yeah. remembers this. I always go a step too far and ask, and no one ever remembers this. But there was a really early Nintendo that came with this weird little robot thing called Gyromite. Do you remember that? 
I don't remember that. No one. I was I was really hoping that I would be the one that remembered, but, <laughs> but I'm not didn't. even gonna lie to you. No. Yo, I'm the only person who remembers. I swear I'm not making this up. But um, I did love me some Duck Hunt in the early days. And then were you a? Uh, did you go Sega or or Super Nintendo? What was your next step? I went Super Nintendo. The Sega controller was weird to me uh, as a kid with the three buttons and whatnot. Which is hilarious in retrospect when you see what controllers are. Yeah, now. I know. You were overwhelmed by A, B, and C. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember the Sega channel? No. So my friend, this kid I went to I went to my church, his family had the Sega channel and it was a subscription channel and it had all the Sega games. Oh. Yeah, way ahead of its time. I don't even know if people remember. Like so I went to his and you house play every all the game? time and played like I mean, I might be remembering wrong in my childlike memory, <laughs> but it seemed like every Sega game was on this channel. It was a subscription. You know, and my parents weren't going to pay for that. Plus, I didn't have a Sega anyway. But like, isn't so that crazy to think insane, about? Insane. So you also got to get your Sonic on, and et cetera. Yeah. Um, Mortal Kombat. That was my first uh, exposure to the original Mortal Kombat, which seemed mind-blowingly realistic to me. I mean, it was at the time. It was, it was mine. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think about. Now, are you... Who do you game with the most in the locker room? I mean, I'm on. I'm on... I actually knock politely on the door and pop into the guy's locker room sometimes and get in on their Tekken stuff. They're 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 really in on the Tekken, huh? They're crazy, yeah. Um, but uh, the we have we have our own up up down down faction, the BRE. Who's a part of that? It's me, Mia Yim, Dakota Kai, and uh, Jessamine Duke still pops up on up up down down, and we have our we say we're the best all female gaming faction <laughs> in all of gaming and we put challenges out every time we're on nobody stepped up so we're just convinced that's and, true and who do you think no gender involved who is the best gamer in all of wwe oh now you're trying to stir stuff up gotta now get my I'm headline. gonna go back to I gotta get my headline. It's gonna get, oh geez it really depends on the game really depends on the game uh everybody's got their specialties i mean if we're talking tech in it's hard to argue against Who's he's he, the like Jimmy's pretty good and he's usually the one. So Tekken we play like King of the Hill. So you gotta go. You have to win ten in a row and then you get to to have a match with the guy who's on top. Once you get ten in a wow. row, wow! And he's all he's always on top. And Jimmy's always the one, huh? Yeah. Wow, he's got a lot on his plate. He's not just super kicking Roman Reigns and completely destroying the bloodline. He's also on top of the Tekken tournament as well. It's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So we, when we got familiar with you as a, a as WWE fans, you obviously had had a whole pre MMA life that some of us knew about, some of us didn't know about, and I I do want to ask you some about that. But um, one thing that's always been clear is your immense love for pro wrestling and WWE. Um, what love came first? Was w, does WWE and wrestling predate any interest in MMA? Uh, I think I just knew. I mean, like. MMA, as far as the United States, wasn't around. So we were in like as much. You would have been in like sixth, seventh grade when it even really became a thing. Yeah, even then, it wasn't something that was big enough to pay attention to. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't even until. So here's the thing: I got into pro wrestling uh, at the time, and this is like not no disrespect, but at the time, it wasn't like I saw women wrestling, and I was like, "Wow, that's what I want to do." That's not, you know, I wanted to be. Macho Man, not Queen Elizabeth. You know what I mean? Right. Or, 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 like, like 
I wanted to be the one fighting. So in saying that, I think that's what got me into martial arts and martial arts flicks. So I started watching like action films with fight scenes and then what's the best martial art. And then this event, this amateur MMA event, I didn't even know what MMA was, came to my town and I was like, ooh, there's like mystical ninja guys that have trained forever and they can go in there and someone might die. And it was, you know what I mean? Like it was very, um, <laughs> this is, this is in where South Dakota. Yeah. Okay. So this is in South Dakota. And I think at the time, like on discovery channel or something, they were like, what are the uh, 10 deadliest martial arts? And they talked about the Gracie family and, uh, they're up in the mountains training to like break people's limbs off. And I, so I'm, I'm watching, I'm like hearing this radio ad in the car about this event at the Holiday Inn downtown, and I'm like, these people are crazy. Oh, these people that train for this, you know, whatever. And and you know, it was obviously nothing. There's like no professionals. It was like, I wish people understood the early days of MMA. It was like tough guy. You know, there's something like really in internal in us as humans that everyone thinks they know how to fight. Yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean. And I think if you're if you're entrenched in the MMA world, you see that a lot, a lot more because everyone, everyone thinks they could get in there and do better than that that guy. Right. Um, but at that time, man, people were still putting bar fighter down as their style. <laughs> you know, at this at this like local event. Now, now did, and, do you think uh, UFC one had happened yet? It was probably right around then. I mean, maybe right around the same time. I don't know how the timelines line up. I remember my dad renting VHS of like the first UFCs and just like, I knew about these Gracie's from this discovery channel and like they promoted it in such a way that it's not, it's not promoted as the sport it is today. It was promoted as a spectacle, you know, like blood and two men enter one man leaves type. And is and now it, this moved around on social media a lot of the last few years, but I remember the actual UFC event where they had like, you have one dude who weighs like legit 400 yeah. pounds up against no weight the guy. classes. Yeah. It was, it was wild. It was completely the wild, wild west. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's cool. There's still a part of me that that likes that. Like, Pride, even Pride Fighting Championships had some open weight stuff, and it was more sports-oriented than it was spectacle. But that's a whole other branch of MMA. But it was, um, you know, I'm watching these, and then I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm going to go and watch these people. But it was just, the, the event was, like, a far cry from anything. It was, like, big boxing gloves without the laces, so you could punch. If you wanted to grapple, you throw the gloves off, but now you weren't allowed to punch anymore. So, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So there was a girl that was there and she was a pro boxer and, or semi pro or something, but the only trained fighter, really. So she'd go in against all these like girls that thought they were tough and just straight punch and beat them up. And I didn't know anything. My dad and my uncle are wrestling coaches. Um, so I grew up on a wrestling mat. So all I knew was. If I took her down and held her, she wouldn't be able to punch me like that. I, I didn't even know what the goal was. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm going to pin her. I, I don't know. I didn't know submissions, but I just knew she wouldn't be able to punch me like that. I could just shoot underneath her. And uh, so just one day I wanted to fight her. I signed up at the, it was like sign up at the door. And it was so infrequent that women showed up that if another girl of any size at all showed up, they'd just match the girls up. And I just hope that she showed up and she never did. Um, and I never really saw her again. And did you ever, but did you fight other people? I fought other people. Yeah. And then, uh, how old, my first, how old are you at this point? So I'm 20, okay. 21. And then my first real fight against a trained fighter, I got smashed. I looked like sloth from the Goonies. It was bad. 
in hindsight, I probably it's probably the time I've had a concussion because I remember just getting pounded to death and then in the shower, not being able to close my eyes because I was getting dizzy, which now that we know with research and stuff, that's not good. But that's not what you want. But that's the only one that you think you've had. I think that I know of. I've not been knocked out. Uh, I've had no symptom. I mean, I'm who knows, right? There, there, there's still a lot of research to be done. There's a lot to be said about the the sparring headache you get. Right. You know what I mean? But that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other arm. But, <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, decided after getting beat up by that girl, I was like, I should probably learn some stuff. Like, and and how long is it between then and when you started really seriously doing MMA? So, um, in terms, in terms of fights, et cetera. So I fought that girl and, and it's Kelly Kobold. If anybody is an old school fan, the first like real skilled fighter I fought was Kelly Kobold. And she was a monster at the time. And she was training with this team, team Bison. And they were just known for just going in and sparring all the time for their training. They were just tough. And, um, I, there was one guy in town and he was a purple belt at the time under Pedro Sauer. And I was very much a Ken Shamrock fan because of wrestling. So here's how it all ties. So now because of like wrestling and Ken Shamrock, and now I've started kind of following Japanese pro wrestling. Um, so there's a lot of pancreation and stuff that, that, that goes on. And there's some tie-ins to pro wrestling that pancreas has, but I was very like, I'm not training with the jujitsu guys. We're going to be shoot fighters. That's what Ken Shamrock would always put shoot fighting as his style. You know, we're like, we're the shoot fighters. We train in a garage without these <laughs> and stuff. And we didn't really know we were watching. We were getting Ken Shamrock's book and like learning. Um, And then so after all this and I got I got my butt whooped. Yeah, I just started going to the jujitsu school because I was like, I mean, there's nothing else. I better go here, you know. And so yeah. I, I, I got to ask you, though, because like so you've 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 had your share you had a, you know, a, a serious MMA career and, and UFC career. Um, you last fought in 2017. And let's see. And you lost on a fight night to one of the greatest ever, Amanda Nunes, on, on March 21st, 2015. But you had a really solid career. But within that career, as is the case in MMA... Like there are losses and there are nights that were hard. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand. Like in 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 my interactions with you and seeing you perform, you just seem so normal, <laughs> and I and I just find fighting to be so crazy. I mean, like it's 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 to me it's such a wild vocation and so wildly different than pro wrestling, right? I mean, there are similarities, but there's a basic through line in terms of like. I'm risking getting really injured by someone and sure. Like someone's trying to cause harm, right? When you wrestle, you could have harm caused and that would be super unfortunate mm -hmm. and everyone would be working to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> Whereas you're going into an octagon. It's like, no, no, someone's trying to cause harm. And like that yeah, difference yeah. is big to me. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong in seeing it that way, but do you see it? Do you look back on it and go like, wow, that's crazy? Or do you like still have the an, some sort of inkling to do it? I still uh, I still go to a jujitsu school. I still roll. Um, obviously, I can't risk injury. So I don't my stand up training is pad where I don't spar anymore. But um, I do grapple live uh, and I miss I do miss it. That's that's like when you think about people that after college they continue on with their education and get their doctorate like that's what i spent my 
education on is learning martial arts and 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 fighting. Um, and you know, people always talk about, and I usually say this in response to people that are like, "Oh man, you used to fight. I better not. I better not piss you off." As though I'm gonna just like fly off the handle and start armbarring everyone <laughs> or something. But like, I always explain it like if you're if you're if you met an NFL player, you wouldn't be like, "Oh man, I better not piss you off. You'll just tackle me into the ground." You know what I mean? Like, there is a clear difference between the craziness that it takes to do the sport of fighting and like the craziness of the violence of say like a street fight. Sure. Would I? know better how to handle myself than some some other people in a street fight sure but i'm also not fooled as to thinking like ah because i did mma in this sport i could just go out in the bar i mean there's so many you know bottles and weapons and uh, biting and scratching so many variables that you don't deal with something as little as i trained for 20 years that if you tap i let something go if someone knew that and I got into like a street altercation and they tapped, there would be a slight hesitation, I think, just reflexively where I'm like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's never happened. But I just imagine that reflexively, if someone tapped, I'd be like, are we good? And then they could cheap shot me, but whatever. But I mean, the sport, like I said, fighting is so basic to who we are as creatures that I think it's hard to separate the sport of fighting from the violence of what a fight is for people, unless you actually train and you're entrenched in it. Um, let's, let's jump ahead to the WWE part of your life. Where did, what is your path to WWE? I guess in our mind, we always think about the, the four of you and it being through Rhonda. Is that sort of how you reconnected with WWE or is it two totally individual stories that happen to sort of run parallel? So here's one of my things I'm always like up in arms about is that I am the one that got Rhonda into wrestling. So back into wrestling, I should say. So, uh, you know, the ultimate fighter happens. The four of us move into the same house. I'm a wrestling fan. I reserved the TV for every Raw and SmackDown I was watching. And these guys just happened to be in the house and started getting caught up. I have heard you say this before. So, yes. So you're the one who's making it a priority to watch the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Rhonda starts getting into it. Rhonda starts getting into it and she's, you know, she's into movies and stunt work and, and things like that. So I think she appreciated the the physical side of things, the 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 live stunt work type of stuff, um, you know, and 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 then, you know, it's hard to not get caught up in the storylines like it was during the time of the shield breaking up and Daniel Bryan with the Wyatts. Like there was a lot of good stuff going on to get drawn into. And then I think uh, separate from all that. My coach, Josh Barnett, who is a pro wrestler uh, himself, um, you know, I had I had uh, partially torn my ACL in my fight with Amanda Nunes. Um, I had a fight with Betch Coahea where at the risk of all the haters in the comments, I really did whatever I wanted to her the first round and didn't take her out. And I was sitting on the stool in between rounds and I just didn't care anymore. Mm. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I just didn't care that it, I didn't care to work as hard as I know I'd have to work to beat her now. I knew I could. It doesn't matter. I had a loss. I think it was just like my mentality. I had lost on the ultimate fighter. Got this like that was my first inundation of mass hate. Mm. And I think in my mind, it was like, man, if you can work for so many years and it just get taken away like that, is it worth it to work? Like I, I was going through this in my mind. This has come full circle now, so I'm not all boohoo about it. Right, right. No, I, I get it. I get it. 
at the time I just I, I just to put it plainly, I just wasn't hungry enough anymore. And here's these young you hear it all the time. You hear it in boxing, you hear it in combat sports. I wasn't hungry. Uh Josh could tell. And we knew because of the ACL and whatnot and the way the UFC contracts were at the time, like, I don't know, I'll be at the back of the line. I don't know when I'll get a fight again. He said, let's ask and see if they'll let you do some pro wrestling, like some indie stuff. No big deal. Just to keep you active, give you something to do. Um, And they said no. And so we just asked for release. And he was like, if you ever want to come back, you can do that. But let's do some pro wrestling just to get you away from MMA, but still in shape and still kind of the same movements and, and things. Um, and I just, I did, a, I went to Japan. I had a, and you know, there was, that's the, that's the closure moment I had is that fight in 2017. You see that I had in Japan was like, um, I lost, but I think I I felt good. And this is not complaining. I'm just stating like it went to decision. I think I beat her, but she was their girl, and I'm I can't complain about that. I couldn't finish her. Um and I was happy with it. And I think when I talked to Josh couldn't make it to Japan to corner me. And I'm pro wrestling in Japan, so this is like a, a coming of age moment for me where I'm like, man, Billy, like Billy Robinson, all these guys did this. Like they toured Japan doing shoot fights and pro wrestling. I need to do this for for my journey. And so I took that fight and I and when I talked to Josh about it on the phone, I said, ah, oh, man, but I, but I mean, I had fun. And he said, that is something I haven't heard you say in years about fighting. So and it was kind of this moment where I was like, OK, and I, and I knew I kind of had closed that competitive chapter will i ever compete again who knows but i'm not like gunning for the ufc title or anything like that you know what i mean like that's very interesting though because once you can then you, once you're at the point where you can look at as, as a, at a loss in a fight and what you come away saying is i had fun yeah that probably is an indicator that like <laughs> you're both in a better place in your life and probably not the place yeah. where you should be having competitive fights well and i think i was so jaded like in between 2015 and up to that fight in 2017, I think I was just so jaded by the sport and the fans and the sport suddenly became super mainstream and commercial and it just changed. And not to sound like this old crotchety hipster, whatever, back in my day, but it was just different. And I think I had a hard time with that in between those couple of years. And I think it just, um, I don't know, I was satisfied. Do you know what I mean? I I had to come to a place where for me, and this is going to be every fighter, every athlete, every wrestler, I finally became satisfied myself. So it doesn't matter what Twitter or uh, the fans or whatever, like I know what I did and what I accomplished. And I, and I finally could say that it wasn't about like, I think all the way through 2015, it was like, I want everyone to know that I'm good. And I want everyone to give me the credit. I'm a pioneer and do all that. And it's like, I don't need that anymore. Is it nice? Sure. But I know for me, and I think it was important to get to that spot. And and so what was the actual step towards what was the next that WWE? Yeah. To WWE. So I, uh, I had a tryout October, 2016, September, October. And then I didn't hear back from them. And so the beginning of the year, 2017, I got this offer to go live in Japan and tour with, re- tour and do wrestling over there. And I called WWE just to make sure. 
hey, can I go to Japan for a few months? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. And so I just assumed like, oh, whatever. I'm too old. Not what they want. Whatever. Uh, did the Japan thing. Came back. And as soon as I got home, that's when the call came for the Mae Young Classic. And then it was just like off to the races. The Mae Young Classic happened. Had a lot of success. Got an offer. Jumped on it. It was a one week from like signing a contract to like moving, drive, packing the car up and driving from LA to Orlando. And how much communication are you in with Rhonda at this point about this plan? I mean, we talk all the time. She, uh, I don't think people realize that Rhonda really has everything plotted out. The things that she works so hard behind the scenes that people don't know. Um, but she's always keeping me in the loop with what steps are being taken. Um, and this is something we've talked about since I moved in in 2013. You know what I mean? Like we made that iconic four horsewomen photo because some fans said we were the four horsewomen of MMA and, and uh, it's been talked about ever since, you know? Um, and now here we are and you guys are the women's tag team champions. Pretty cool. Yeah, finally. And I mean, listen, the reality is, I think fans have been talking about and speculating on when will we eventually get Ronda and Shayna in a real way in WWE. It's like, it sort of feels like the story that tells itself. And I, I find that Ronda's character is tough because there are only so many places for her character to go being as dominant as she is, right? Like, it can, it can sure. end up being a challenging story to tell. Although I really like what's been going on with her recently because it almost feels like she's been, it almost feels like there's been a hard reset on Ronda and she's been sort of becoming truly a WWE superstar now. Like this is kind of, I, this is totally from the outside just how it feels to me, but it feels like, you know, she's, this, she's been in a smaller role, taking steps and kind of working, starting backwards and working her way up. And now you guys are tag champions, which at one point would have been probably you know, something that wouldn't have been on Rondo's horizon at all because she was only in the in the dominant title picture all the time. Right, right, But right. now here we are. I think, and I think like this is important to say because um, my role on the main roster has been, like Rhonda is Rhonda, right? She's been main title. She main evented WrestleMania. She still gets one of the loudest pops when we walk out. Um this was something she demanded. We've been asking for it forever, but she finally put her foot down and went to the office and said, listen, we've been asking for this forever. You keep telling us after, after, after this, this. I honestly don't know if she hadn't done that, if they would have ever got to it. I wasn't in a position yet to be elevated to a Rhonda level. So the fact that Rhonda said, no, stop, I've done this. I want to do this because this is why I started wrestling. So it's, I think that's huge. You know what I mean? Like she could be main eventing SummerSlam. She doesn't have to be where she is, which is elevating these titles. Well, it, it does three things though. It elevates the titles. It elevates you. And it also, in my opinion, benefits her as a character. It's smart. You know, it, it adds a new layer to Rhonda. Yeah. It's just a, a, a direction that I don't think they would have looked at just because Rhonda is who she is. Um, and, you know, as much as, lover or hater she brings eyes uh and that's the way she's always been she was that way in mma and i think it's important i i at least want people to understand like this is happening in large part because 
she demanded it. So uh, she demanded to work with me as a, as a friend. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to have someone who truly isn't out for themselves. You know what I mean? And that's in, in show business, that's so rare. So it's, 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 it's very cool. cool. Now, do you, have you guys often like talked about, fantasized about a tagging and I have to ask, and also B breaking up one day and having some sort of blood feud at a WrestleMania. Cause it seems like the <laughs> no brainer thing to get one day. Well, I don't know. We've always said that there's a way to tell. So in combat sport, in wrestling in in judo in in MMA, if your teammate has the title, the one way you get the title shot against your teammate is if the whole entire division is cleaned out and they've earned it. And it's, and it's sort of a, a respect thing. If I'm the champion and my friend has now cleaned out everyone and earns their way there, it would be disrespectful for me to, to deny them a title shot just because we're friends. And so we've always talked about how there is a way to tell that in, in wrestling also. Right. Um, is it maybe as compelling? I guess it depends on how yeah, you yeah, tell it. Could, it, it could be told in a cool way. Yeah, it's it's, and I think it's a little different than the you know, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty. We've gotten that many times. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We got these to do, and it's not. We didn't. We didn't just want these titles. We're tired of a tag division that's so temporary yes. all the time. Like. Oh, we need to do something. Let's throw some girls yes. together. Like we want to make a tag division. It's very possible to have tag teams that also wrestle for singles. So I don't think I think we could build a tag division that doesn't take away from the single scene at all. Agreed. Um, and that's what we want to do right now. So that is awesome. And by the way, it's a it's a problem that I think plagues the men's tag division too. There's yeah, you'll have a couple of teams that are together and mean something. And then everyone else is kind of thrown together. And then the men's tag teams division has been in a weird space because the Usos ran roughshod for so long, which was which yeah. is amazing, and their first ballot Hall of Famers in, in part because of it. But yeah, everyone else ended up kind of just like, what's the point of all these people? What are they going to wrestle for? Yeah. What are they wrestling for? So it'll be fun now to see who can, you know, really challenge you guys. And I agree, as particularly the women's tag division, I'm tired of the random, the it can mean something. Mm -hmm. And because of you guys, like you guys go together. That's the thing. I want tag teams that have a purpose, you know, like either look the same, fight the same, have a real a relationship that exists. And you guys seem to have a, a lot of those things. And it's funny because even though we've just shown up as a tag team, I think everyone can tell whether you know our history or not that we have we are a team and we have been for a while. And I think that comes across when we do promos and and and, and stuff like that. So hopefully this helps. Uh, I think it's super duper cool. And one day, you know, maybe one day you guys explode because some dumb media person continues to say, so did Ronda Rousey get you into professional? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick. It drives me I'm nuts. I'm sick of this. Um, uh, Shana, it's been super cool. Thanks for making time. And uh, congrats on all your success. You're a, you're a joy to have in WWE. You're a real, I love having people that are credible you know, you have been since your days as NXT champion and all the way through now, your character hasn't been like, I'm sure you had periods where if I were to ask you, you would, you would say differently, but I think your character's <laughs> made it through in really good shape where like you're meaningful, you know? And I think that's an exciting thing for you and now for Ronda in the tag division. So congrats on everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, big, big shout out and thank you to Shayna Baszler. She's awesome. I hope we didn't spend too much time on MMA for you guys, but I just find that part of her story to be fascinating and and worth really understanding. So I appreciated her kind of going through the whole thing with me. Uh, let's jump into some mailbag, though, real quick before this whole thing's a wrap, shall we? Mail. I think it's only right to do a couple of uh, emails. Didn't realize when we did the first episode on Tuesday that we were going to have an interview this week. So uh, let's see. Jeremy says about Asuka and Bianca. Sweet Pete, love the mist on the hand finish. Would like to see them pull the Nakamura Muda finish and have Bianca inhale the mist from Asuka's mouth and spit it in her face to regain the title late in late 2023. What are your teas? Jeremy and Regina Canada. I like that. I, I didn't even know that's been done. I, I, I wish you hadn't spoiled it for me. Mail. Uh, Justin Kane has sent a couple of emails about, about dip that are pretty funny. He sent me a really detailed email about how dip should not be driving a range rover made a lot of sense. And he says the Prius is the car for dip. And he says with the amount of money you'll save driving the Prius, you'll have a G you'll have G wagon money stacked up when car status may actually matter again. He's making the whole case that right now car status doesn't even matter. So why bother with a $1,300 Range Rover? That's what Justin has to say, Dip. So he said, P.S. Pete, great appearance on Most Wanted Treasures. So sorry, the Hitman Screwjob glasses uh, was a shoot. It was a shoot. I really did figure out that day that they were not the actual glasses. Let's hear from Oscar. Mail. Gotta say, this bloodline story keeps getting better and better, in my opinion. I think it's a good way to portray Jimmy now and see if he can do what Jay did as far as being main event Jay and being the focal point during the whole Sammy being in the bloodline. I know every story needs an ending, but I saw Rakishi on Twitter with a couple of one-word tweets and was thinking, what if he comes back and confronts Roman? And once Roman starts being disrespectful to Rikishi, then Solo strikes Roman too, and they just gang up on Roman after. Hello, I don't know, just thinking out loud. But this has been some really good shit for a couple of years. Also, Pete, went to a wedding for some reason this week, and I think I only agreed to go with my fiance because I hear you on the pods and on the Michael K show. So it's a lot of wedding talk. So I'm like, eh, why not? Of course, they had this. What do you say? Hold on. Of course, they had the weird, I've known the bride since she was two, and they wrote a poem about how they met, blah, blah, blah. The awkward, I want to make a speech person who was doing jokes, but the crowd isn't selling. But other than that, open bar was mage, and the food was jobber, at least anyways. Love listening to you guys. Listen every week. And Pete, especially you, since I moved from Brooklyn to North Carolina 2015, it's been Pete on my headphones with Cheap Pete and Michael K and Wanep, and of course, Hot 97. Wow, that's support. Sorry for the long message. First time trying the mailbag. Stay mage. P.S. Y'all definitely should do a cheap heat cream cheese line. 
I really do think that's an opportunity missed. Mail. Jeffrey says, cheap heat bachelor party mislead. Don't get me wrong. I've been loving your life talks. and I'm anxiously awaiting your upcoming pod on divorce and other life topics. But when I saw the title of the episode, my mind went immediately to some crazy multiverse colliding collaboration with Ringer alum Juliet Lippman about what bachelor, bachelorette party, uh, bachelorette contestants are characters befitting the WWE universe and what WWE superstars would be fun as contestants on the bachelor or bachelorette. Was a tad disappointed when this was not the case, but still a great listen. That's Troy's fault, by the way. That's Troy the Goy's naming. Quick question. How many more matches does classic matches does Bad Bunny need to have, if any, before he's no longer eligible for the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame, but just a straight-up inductee into the main wing? Well, I think he's still a ways away, but it it is certainly all possible. It is certainly all possible. Mail. Uh, Michael says, booking the Bloodline Civil War, I was nodding along to the last podcast when you guys predicted the Usos would accidentally cost Roman and Solo the tag title match. I thought the same, and we were proven right. Now, with Jimmy taking out Roman, the Bloodline Civil War is in full swing. After Night of Champions, I had a vision of how this should play out. Hear me out. Usos versus Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank, and at some point, the match breaks down, and Jimmy blinds Solo by throwing chalk in his eyes. Solo stumbles and grabs Roman thinking he has one of the Usos. Bang, Samoan spike to Roman. Jay makes the cover and pins Roman to win the match. At the next SmackDown, Adam Pearce announces that since Jay is the first person to pin Roman in years, he gets the championship match at SummerSlam. Roman forgives Solo for, for the spike. He pretends it's magnanimous, but you can tell it's because he's scared of Solo and because he knows he needs him for the match with Jay. This leads up to SummerSlam, uh, where Jimmy's trying to hype Jay up to make him believe Jay is very timid and he's still a prisoner of the trauma Roman's inflicted on him. But he grows in confidence over the weeks and starts taking it to Roman early in the match. It looks like Solo's going to be the difference, so he takes out Jimmy at ringside, as he takes out Jimmy at ringside. But Sammy runs down and takes out Solo. This leads to a big splash from Jay. One, two, three. Jay is the new champion and has ended Roman's streak. The closing shot of SummerSlam is Jay on Jimmy and Sammy's shoulders. Triple H announces after the match that the Universal title is retired as Jay moves forward as the WWE champion. This solves the lineage issues, he says. At the next SmackDown, Roman's having a clear mental breakdown. He's ranting and railing against everyone, demanding a rematch. He says it's not his fault. It's Jimmy's fault. It's Sammy's fault. It's Heyman's fault. It's Solo's fault. And as he says it, Solo hits Roman with the spike. Heyman gets on the mic and says the tribal chief has been dethroned. It's time to focus on the next big thing. Solo. Roman and Solo have an extreme rules match at the next PLE, which Solo wins. This is the last we see of Roman for months. Jay has a couple of title defenses over the fall, maybe friendly matches against Jimmy and Sammy heading into Survivor Series showdown with Solo. This is a squash, just absolute domination by Solo as he becomes the new WWE champion. At the Rumble, the final two are again Cody and Gunther, but this time Gunther wins with assistance from Imperium. Gunther, however, challenges Seth for the World Heavyweight title, and so Cody heads to SmackDown to issue a WrestleMania challenge to Solo. Well, that's not how it works if Gunther wins. Cody doesn't get to issue a challenge, but hey. Just as the two agree to a match, Roman returns to take them both out. Adam Pearce announces that Solo will defend the title against Roman on WrestleMania Night 1 with the winner facing Cody on Night 2. Roman makes Solo look like a million bucks, but ultimately goes over and wins back the title. And then the main event of night two is a rematch from last year, but this time Cody finishes the story and defeats Roman to become champion. Cody moves forward with 
Many potential challengers while Roman takes time off to recalibrate his character and come back as a babyface. What are your teas? Stay mage and enjoy yourself, Mike, in Toronto. Mike, that was a very thoughtful and interesting message. Um, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Listen, I think if we were to dig into it, we can find other ways and other things I, I would do differently. I need a minute to think on this. But I don't hate that as an idea. Um, I really don't hate the idea of Solo becoming champ and Heyman going with Solo. That that was the best part. I think the best part of the whole thing you said was Heyman saying he's moved on to the next big thing. Roman's been dethroned and is head, head of the table. That, to me, is very compelling. They're clearly building Solo in a way that is very real. And I do believe that Solo will end up much bigger than the others who have come in a similar, similar role before him. Sika as a solo competitor, Umaga, these many greats. I, I think Solo may have a brighter future than all of them. A lot of potential in that kid. Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com. You can, of course, hit us up on the Discord. We'll have a fun episode Tuesday because we're all hanging out this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Um, hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. And do me a favor, stay mage and enjoy yourself. I appreciate you all so very much for listening. I mean that. And uh, to the guy who emailed earlier about my podcast coming up on other life stuff, I took some steps this week. I'm taking steps, steps. We're getting closer. So I appreciate the encouragement and the support. And we'll catch you guys on Tuesday. Stay mage. At this time, I would like to introduce. Shout out to that guy, Greg. Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage.